This is Still Rowing, a podcast where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship, and just why they are choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Jaden McQuivy was adopted from Seoul, South Korea when he was four years old. He is the oldest sibling in his family, and all of his siblings are adopted as well. He loves to sing and make music. He isn't in school right now, but he wants to study music or computer science, but he's not sure yet. He got back from his mission about four and a half months ago from Bangkok, Thailand. He's just figuring out life and loving the journey. So thanks to you, our listeners, for being here today. I'm Tara McCausland, and Jaden, I'm so happy that you're with me today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited for this. This is going to be fun. And, you know, I uh, I met Jaden actually in my ward when he was giving a talk with a high councilman, and he just floored me with his testimony and his experience. So I'm grateful that I found you, Jaden. That's sweet. Thank you. <laughs> to start, Jaden, can you think of an experience pre-mission that helped ground you in the gospel? I can. I can think of a few, and they're all very similar. Um, All of my family members were all adopted, and so I got to experience getting sealed to my family four different times with every sibling that we adopted. And I couldn't really remember, I can't remember myself, and I can't remember my younger sister, but I can remember very specifically um, my youngest brother, Zeke, being in the sealing room with him and being able to hold him at the altar in the temple was such a neat and special experience that I knew for sure. I've always been taught and raised that the gospel is true, but I remember being in that temple room and holding him at the altar and listening to the words that were being said about our family and just feeling the the sealing power of God and knowing that this gospel is true. And so I knew from then that I was going to follow my feelings about whatever it was the Spirit told me because I knew it was true. What a special experience. It was. Sometimes I wish that we could all have that experience of being sealed to our families and having our children be in the temple at that young age, but obviously that's not the case, but (laughs) how cool for you. And four times as well. What was your expectation of what a mission would be versus reality? You know, I've always loved the cool mission stories of like seeing the pictures of missionaries with their shorts, shirts torn and them wet because of the rain and not their bikes and those crazy experiences and those fun stories that you had and so I always had that in the back of my head that was what a mission was going to be like and of course the many miracles that we hear and I never really thought about all the all the little things that really went into a mission so in my mind I thought this mission was this amazing two years where I got to do nothing but serve and having the occasional fun and exciting miraculous story to tell in an email or to my family but So yeah, those are my expectations before going out. Mm -hmm. And what was reality? It was perhaps maybe a mixture of both. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it really was a mixture, a mixture of both. There were those moments where I was just like, "This is the greatest time of my life," and there was those moments in my life where this is the most stressful thing that I could ever be doing right now. There's a lot of little things that that we don't really realize going into a mission. Um, it's, it really is 16 hours of work every day with eight hours of sleep every day. And I was not used to that before. And 
I remember trying to prepare myself going out on a mission. Do I need to sleep only eight hours and work 16 hours a day to get myself physically and mentally ready to go serve a mission? But that wasn't the case. I Just your, all it is is a testimony. All it is is a testimony that that'll do you good out on a mission for preparation. And I've, I've said to many people that there's really no truly preparing someone for the experience, the arduous experience of serving a mission. Right. You can, you can talk about it in theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but actually experiencing just the, the fatigue and, right. as you say, the stress of being rejected day in and day out. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, of course, there are things that we can do to prepare. And, mm-hmm. um, but recognizing that, yeah, it's, it's work. It's mm-hmm. very worthwhile work, but it is work. I think it's fair to say that when we leave for a mission, we don't intend to come back until we've served our full term. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's pretty yeah. correct? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But tell us about the event that brought you home early. Yes, it is, it is different when a missionary comes home early. A lot of people really don't know how to react and stuff. There's a lot of, like there's a lot of mission culture surrounding in the church, but... Yes, when I came home early, it was because of a, a motorcycle accident. Me and my companion were riding back to our little house that we had from an appointment that we we had just met with this guy, and we were riding on our bikes, and it was dark, but my companion had his lights on me, and I had the lights on my bike. And so we were on the side of the road, headed back to our apartment. I really don't remember much. I remember riding my bike, I was humming some hymn, and this overwhelming feeling of flight came over me. I felt like I was flying and I had gained supernatural powers and I could fly home. I was ready to go home. And then I woke up on the ground pretty dazed and all these Thai people were screaming and yelling that somebody was hit by a motorcycle. And I always remember I need to find my companion. We need to we need to help these people. We need to control the chaos. And then I was like, oh no, it's me. Because everything hurt all the numbness went away or whatever and I think I passed out because of how much pain I was in I woke up in the hospital about three hours later and yeah I was strapped in these boots I had bandages all over me I was hit by a motorcycle I couldn't walk and I couldn't serve properly and so my mission president eventually had to had to send me home I'm sure that was really traumatizing to start. (laughs) Um, But what were your initial feelings about the accident and coming home? And how did you cope through that healing process? It was really hard coming home. I was, I felt really, really ashamed. It's, it was hard to be home early because you think to yourself, you automatically think the worst thoughts that people could think of you for being home early. And so that's exactly where my mind went. Satan really got a hold of me. And so when I was home, I didn't want to show my face anywhere. I didn't want to go outside. I didn't want to, I didn't feel like I could be myself because I didn't want people to think of me differently for being home early. I didn't want them to be ashamed of me or to feel like I had given up because that's just what the thoughts were that ran through my head. And so it took a long time for me to to get over that. I remember... I was in these boots because I had torn some muscle in my legs and so I was still healing. But I remember being fully healed and walking out in public with my boots on, with the, 
the cast that they gave me just so people who saw me and recognized me would look at the boots and think, oh, okay, there's, there's, there's a reason for him to be home. I didn't want it, me to walk out and be perfectly fine and people think, why are you home early? Because it was that question that no one would ask, but I knew they were thinking with the way that they looked and interacted at me. And that was really, that was really hard. It wasn't until I decided that I was going to go back out that I could start being confident in myself again. Once I had that feeling that, okay, I'm going to go back. I can, I can go back to Thailand now that I'm better. That I got my confidence back and I was back to myself. I was out and about and with friends and going to movies, things that I was doing normally until I left the second time. So how, how long was it between when you got home to when you went back out? It was about four months. Four months. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where I was home healing. Three and a half, four months. So we're fast forwarding. You're healed. You're back out on your mission. What happened then? Oh, I was, I was ecstatic. I was excited. I got to experience the whole moving from the embassy back to the mission again, and it was, it was exciting. Um, and I was, I was ready for it this time. I thought in my head that this is going to be the best. I know... I was expecting the mission. I was expecting Thailand. I didn't have any questions about what I was getting into. So when I got there, everything was great. I got my new companion. He's still one of my best friends. And we just got straight into the work. And I noticed right away that I was getting these these really bad headaches. But I didn't want to say anything to my companion or my mission president just because I didn't want anybody worrying about me because I felt like every week before my mission, there was something that I was going through physically and I didn't want that again so I kind of kept these to myself as time went on the headaches got worse and worse and worse and I eventually started passing out and getting really car sick and finally I couldn't keep this a secret and because of all the sicknesses and illness and the inability to properly work as a full-time missionary I was once again sent home to to heal and I've been here since so what was different coming home the first time versus the second time? I was a lot more prepared on what I was going to get into coming home the second time. Um, I'm Like when I was leaving to go back on a mission, when I was coming home, I was expecting a reaction. I was expecting things to be different, and I was expecting that I, that I needed to work through them. And so that was the mindset. I wasn't... I was upset with myself that it had to come to that. I was riddled with guilt because I thought I could have I could have been stronger. I could have kept going. I didn't this didn't need to happen and that and it was those thoughts that were really tormenting, really torturous in my mind. And so yeah, but those were sort of the expectations coming back, like those same feelings of stress and anxiety of being home. How did you cope then? And how, I guess, emotionally, were you able to work through those feelings of shame? Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how did you do that? Right. Yeah, when I got home, a lot of it helped because, because there, was, there was a homecoming. And there's a lot of almost praise and, and happiness that, that is celebrated in a homecoming when a missionary comes home. And I didn't think that would happen for me. I didn't think I would get that. I didn't think I would get that um, 
that experience because I was home early. But I came home, and when I was released, we scheduled a homecoming for me to speak in my word about my mission experiences. And I think from the moment I spoke about my mission experiences is when real healing and I saw why this was all coming together because I had given that homecoming talk and right after some people in the ward came up to me and said that was really an amazing talk. You really helped me a lot. And just those words, it wasn't anything specific, but that was enough for me to be like, there's a reason. And I remember coming home that second time and looking for every reason that I possibly could from the plane ride home to being home on why this whole accident and incidences happened to me and what I could gain for my testimony and for my spiritual growth from, from all of this. And so after I spoke in that ward, I got calls from the state councilman to come speak in multiple wards. And so I've spoken in, in a few wards now and met you at one of them. And I've seen all these, all these little miracles and experiences come from people messaging me on Facebook or Instagram or hearing a talk about how this helped them or what I said helped them. And, and I think that was the most unexpected, greatest thing that, that ever happened, that I was able to use my mission and still, still help people because that's what I was, I was missing. I was missing teaching those people about Jesus Christ, about our Lord and Savior, but now I get to use those experiences that I had and help, help members and other people go closer to their Savior in Jesus Christ. It's a little bit of a, a paradigm shift, isn't it? Right. When mm -hmm. we understand that just because our mission, and we can say our like our two-year mission or just our life mission, mm -hmm. may not look quite the same as what we expected, um, but it doesn't make it any less meaningful. Mm -hmm. That the Lord will use us wherever we are, and especially when we've had painful experiences, I believe he will use that pain if we can learn from it so that we can bless others in their pain. And your pain in having to, I mean, literal pain, <laughs> <laughs> after having to heal from a motorcycle accident, but also having to heal from, again, it's unfortunate, but the reality is, is that I know a lot of our missionaries come home early, feel a great deal of shame and guilt. Mm. And we need to change that. Absolutely. And help them understand that, that the service that they gave and that they can continue to give moving forward is just as valuable mm -hmm. if they will learn from that experience. And so I love that, that you, you recognize that in a very unusual way, perhaps part of your mission and your call before you came here was to help those who would struggle coming home early from missions or family members. Mm -hmm. And the Lord has used you, and I believe mm -hmm. will continue to. But I wanted to in indulge me for a minute. Sure. Because I, I want you to share maybe one or two experiences that you had while you were a missionary Yeah. Um, that were meaningful to you as you taught people the gospel. Yeah, I would, and so many come to mind, but I love, I love telling this story. There was a time we taught English over in Thailand for free for all the Thai kids and their parents to come and learn free English because it was such a big deal to them. And at the end of the English class, a guy stayed. His name was Pet. And he talked to us for a little bit. He said that he was Christian and that he knew we were missionaries and that he maybe wanted to learn more about 
what we taught about Jesus Christ and what we learned. And so we sat right after English class and taught and taught this man a lesson. And I looked to my companion and we both felt that he was an amazing, an amazing man and that he was going to go far if we continued to teach him. And so we got his contact information and we went on to the next day. And that next day came and we had a plan to call him and to contact him, but we couldn't find his contact anywhere in our phones. And so we knew that we must not have saved it properly. And so we felt like we had lost Pet. And so we prayed and we asked Heavenly Father to help us come in contact with Pet. We didn't know how that was gonna happen, but we felt like it was. We went on our bikes that day and taught a few lessons. And we were coming back from our appointments and we took a wrong turn. And we were taking these wrong turns until we finally found where we were supposed to be again and continued on this big long road. And so we're riding our bikes down this road and we pass this little intersection. And just a few seconds after we pass that intersection, we hear our names being yelled and we turn around and we see Pet on his motorcycle behind us. And we're like, we and my companion do our, our happy dance because we had just found Pet. And we told him what we had experienced. And we looked back on that situation and we thought, if we hadn't taken any of those wrong turns before we had left, the timing just wouldn't have worked out. It just wouldn't have worked out. We wouldn't have crossed that intersection and Pet wouldn't have been there if timing wasn't absolutely perfect. And so we both knew that we were right in the middle of God's hand at work. And that was just one of the most amazing experiences that I had. And I, and I don't know where Pet and his testimony is right now because since I've been home, I haven't heard from him. But just that experience alone was, was miraculous. So seeing how the Lord uses you as, as a bit of a chess piece, right? He's right. always moving you to different places. And sometimes you're not sure why you're going this mm-hmm. way and that, or you take a wrong turn. I had that experience so often on my mission too. <laughs> and and the same people in this huge city would keep turning up. It was amazing. Yeah. So what a, what a neat testimony builder that the Lord's hand truly is in this work. And he is very aware of the individual. He sees mm-hmm. us as individuals. He loves us as individuals. Mm-hmm. And he will save us as individuals. Cool. Any other stories that you wanted to share from the mission? Oh, there's so many. I could go on and on and on, but yeah, I'll share one. I'll share one more. And so there was a really hard time when I had come home from my mission because someone that I knew from the mission, uh, that we were, that we were with, um, she was she was struggling and she was reaching out to me through through Facebook Messenger, and so this I technically wasn't even a missionary at this time, but because of the mission rules, I wasn't able to be in contact with her every day, and so since I was home, I was able to have this have this constant contact between us, and so I would send her talks and and messages, and I would send her just little thoughts and uplifting things and to go see the missionaries and just little reminders like this. And I get word a few months later that she has accepted the gospel and has a date to be baptized and has been working with the missionaries. And so even when I technically wasn't a missionary, that missionary work continued. And that was a really cool experience too, to see how how missionary work is everywhere. It's not just in the little badge or the calling, but everywhere. It's amazing. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. 
And that's hopefully a little encouragement for us member missionaries, right? right. We don't mm-hmm. have to have a tag to be great missionaries that we can do as, as simple of a thing as sending a text to a friend who we know is struggling. So having had this experience of returning home, not once, but twice, right? what's your best advice to a missionary who has returned early, number one? And number two, what's your best advice for those who are loved ones of a return missionary that's come home early? Mm. Those are good questions. So my number one advice for someone who had returned home from their mission early is to be totally rooted in those things that you learned as a missionary, the study and the, the prayer and the scripture as much as you possibly can. And then to absolutely be confident in yourself. And that's a lot easier to say than do. Trust me, I know. But it was the worst feeling for me when I came home and felt totally separate from who I was before. Felt totally different. Felt like I couldn't be myself. And so I would say that you should do some soul searching. Talk with your Heavenly Father. Do the things that you would love to do. Don't cut people out. And you just need to do the things that made you happy. Always, no matter no matter what. Because once, if Satan can destroy that happiness, then there's not a lot of motivation for you to do anything. And that's how I felt. Because when I wasn't happy, that's when I was exactly the opposite. I was depressed. And so I always tried to keep myself as happy as possible. Playing the guitar or piano or watching a, a funny movie or contacting friends, getting a Mountain Dew and eating Cafe Rio. Those were, those were my coping methods. And so that's what I would suggest. Just always keep yourself happy. And for loved ones of family members and close friends of missionaries that have come home, you are so important to them. And you will make or break whoever it is. And one thing that, that really was hard for me was the first thing that people would, they would see me and they would come and ask me was, hi, how are you doing? But really before I could answer it was, so what's your plan? So what's your plan? What, what are you doing to go forward? Are you going to go back out? Are you, what's your plan? Are you going to go to school? And that got really, really tough to hear. For anyone who knows or is super close to someone who had come home from a mission, the best question that you can ask them is, how can I help you? What do you need? You're in my prayers. You're in my thoughts. I want nothing but the best for you. Congratulations on serving for being a missionary and coming home. Because when you come home, you feel, to be totally honest, you feel almost worthless. You feel more alone than you ever have before. And there are some times on my missions where I felt pretty alone. But coming home, I felt absolutely by myself and everything. And I always thought that coming home, I'd walk into the airport and there would be my family and friends there with posters saying, congratulations, Shane, you did it. But instead, I came home sick and hurt and in pain. And I ran into my my mom and gave her a hug and my family was there and that was so special 
And so coming home and hearing, what's your plan? What's your plan? What are you going to do? What's your plan? That, that was hard. That was really hard. Because you want to hear, how can, how can we help? You know, we support you in this. We, we want what's best for you. Congratulations, you served. You, you really did. And, there, and I, I'm not saying that everyone was like that. Because they, they obviously weren't. But, but those are the best things that you could ever say to, to someone who comes home, comes home early. Congratulations goes a long way. Because they feel like they didn't, they didn't deserve it. But every missionary who comes home deserves congratulations, a hug, a pat on the back, a handshake. You did it. You, you did it. Because just, just accepting the call to be a missionary is enough to be like, congratulations. Because that, that initial step is so hard. And so to those loved ones and friends of missionaries who, who come home a little early, that's it. That's the best advice that I could give. For sure. I think there's a lot of wisdom there, Jaden. You are wise beyond your years. You are, by the way, the youngest person I've interviewed for my podcast so far. <laughs> and you're doing great. Um, but I, I would boil that down. What you just said, which was beautiful, is just to love them. Yeah. Love them right where they're at. Totally. And it, it's interesting to me. And as I've been doing these interviews, mm-hmm. that's often what it comes down to. It's just to love people. Because we, we will all struggle at some point on our journey of discipleship, whether we come home early from a mission or whether we're older and we find ourselves in a faith crisis, uh, perhaps we find ourselves divorced, mm-hmm. um, which is hard in the church. Mm-hmm. But whatever circumstance we find ourselves in and our other and our fellow members of the church, right. our fellow brothers and sisters, is just to love them so you've taught me today about that and um i think we all need to remember that when when we see someone struggling set aside the judgment see the person and love them absolutely so through this experience how has your relationship with heavenly father and with jesus christ changed Oh my gosh, I feel like it's kind of been been a roller coaster, you know, the the ups and and the downs. I feel like that was kind of a measurement of our relationship because I remember from the accident it went down. I was I was almost mad at them. It's like I was promised protection and safety on my mission, and this is what I get. All these awful awful thoughts, and then it was up. I realized that I got hit in the back from a motorcycle going forty miles per hour, and I didn't break a single bone in my body. I was being protected. And then I got sent home and it went back down again. I was like, oh my heck, I'm home. This is awful. I can't believe this. And then it went back up. I'm going back out on my mission. You know, you can kind of see the pattern. And now that I'm here, it's at an amazing high that I've, I've ever been before. I've seen through the whole experience, looking back, I can see where God's hand was in every trial, in every miracle, in every thought and action that I ever did, God was was kind of driving me, putting me on this path. And I can I can see that now and I can love and and just appreciate all all that. 
and so yeah it's been it's been this this ride for sure but but i'm in a good spot so that's awesome well finally Jaden, our favorite question to end with yes it's it's tough being a member of the church i was saying to you before uh before we started this episode, if if they called me out to serve as a missionary again, as like a single proselyting missionary, right? And I frequently have dreams about this, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> that they're calling me like, "Wait, I have a family," <laughs> um, and like the anxiety levels are through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I always go out, but I'm anxious. Um, but the reality is, is that it's very hard to be a member of the church. Sometimes it's not mm-hmm. always rainbows and butterflies. Right. There are so many blessings, but. Mm-hmm. It can be a challenge. So for you, having experienced those ups and downs, um, why are you still rowing? Why are you choosing faith in the restored church of Jesus Christ? This really is the best question to end it all. There's a lot of things. I feel like there's still so much for me in this world and there's no way that I am doing that without without faith without my savior Jesus Christ without my heavenly father right by my side as close as I can possibly keep them um it is hard to be a member of the church and the world is kind of crazy right now and I feel like I need and everyone needs that solid foundation of faith in in Jesus Christ in his atonement in the gospel and I feel like that is just the best and truly the only way that we can have this amazing amount of happiness, even through all the hardships that I've been through. I'm just, I'm just happy. And it's because of, of faith. And it wasn't easy, but I think that's why it's all that more special and, and better for me. And so I'm still rowing and I'm going to keep rowing until until I can't anymore. And that's the plan. That's the plan for me. Thank you, Jaden. I know that your words will bless many. I hope so. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Still Rowing Podcast. The views expressed here are not necessarily the views of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nor is this podcast affiliated with the church. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to receive updates on future episodes. You can submit comments or questions at stillrowing.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening.